People deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning back in each and every time. Don't worry, folks. My guy Mo, Mo Hader will be here. You know, he's just running a bit whenever. He's good for it. Um, You know, speaking of the devil, there he is. Mo, right on time, man. Right on time. What are you saying, Broski? All good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, let's jump straight into it, man. What do you make of Yeah, man. What do you, first thing I want to ask you, Bruno Gomara seems to be going to Newcastle. And obviously the Vlahovic thing. Well, look, I, I view the two very differently. Yeah. Um, firstly, with Vlahovic, I've been on my Twitter tweeting saying, look, let's be fair to Arsenal. It's very, very easy to just slate the club non-stop when it comes to transfers. The reality is I've got certain expectations of the club that I feel like um, are under their control. And I've got certain kind of thoughts that are outside of their control. Facts. Look, it's, um, it's simple as, for me, I just want the club to act like a ambitious big club, use the resources we've got available, put the money down on the table, put it there nice and early, no messing around with plus a pound offers, that sort of thing. And I think that they've done that with Vlaovic. You know, and this isn't hearsay anymore. This isn't me trusting journalists or ITKs or anything like that. I've um, read an interview that, I think his name is Baroni, um, managing director of Fiorentina did with uh, Italian newspaper where he speaks about a super offer from Arsenal and basically the reality is that the agent and the player have just haven't communicated so they've been kept in the dark and there's nothing we can really do about that Arsenal put the offer on the table Fiorentina are happy with it the managing director saying I just want to know what he wants to do so I understand that, that maybe you can try and convince a player and do certain things to convince a player, but some players can't be convinced. We, I'm sure we've, we've offered him good good money. I'm not going to start Definitely. speculating and assume that we haven't, because if we've offered, you know, the 70-odd million... We've definitely or, offered him more better wages, I'd, I'd say that, really. definitely mm-hmm. earned more competitive wages with us, 100%. Yeah, so the fact of the matter is, I think Arsenal have done everything that they can. And um, I think we, as Arsenal fans, just have to kind of like take it on the chin a little bit. It's not nice to hear that a player doesn't want to join your club, but we don't have Champions League football. We don't have a, a manager with like a worldwide reputation yet. Hopefully he'll get there one day. Right, we right. don't um, have sort of a guarantee of Champions League football coming up either. It's very much in the balance. And we've had two eighth-place finishes previously. Not so only that, I think, you know, when he looks at the... If I was a player looking at the team, I'd be thinking, oh, it's not like got bags of harmony either. Aubameyang, Gunduzi, Sali. There's a lot of reasons why I can understand that Vlaovic doesn't want to join Arsenal. And then also, maybe he just doesn't want to leave Italy. He might have, I don't know, he's got kids. I don't know. He's he could have spoken guy. to Torreira about not only life at Arsenal, but life in Italy. I mean, life life away from Italy as That's well. a great point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. He's got such a good person to speak to at his own club right now. So, you know, I think... Um, I don't blame Arsenal for this one. I think where people are a little bit frustrated with the Vlavic thing is that, okay, fine, you've been chasing him, you've done all the right things, but what have you been doing in the background in terms of, um, you know, an insurance policy? Now, that's the problem. Yeah, we don't know whether Arsenal have or haven't been doing anything there. It remains to be seen. Clearly, if they pull something out of the bag now, then you'd imagine that that's because they've done some legwork in the background prior to this. But also, it's hard to really approach a player 
um, where basically he's seeing about these reports in the media about Vlaovic, thinking, oh, I'm just a second choice. It's not how you really charm a player either. So it's very difficult. I don't put much blame on Arsenal for Vlaovic. Bruno Gamares, on the other hand. <laughs> to be fair, as we've just been speaking, bro, apparently Leon have come out and denied that there's actually an agreement with Newcastle. So I don't know if that's another spanner in the works. I think the moves happens, but I cut you off. Take it away on Bruno, man. Yeah, listen, on Bruno, like I started off the Vlaovic conversation by saying that I had read myself reports from a top exec from Fiorentina in an Italian newspaper. These are quite good. That's quite a good uh, What's his mouth sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite concrete. With um, Guimaraes, I find it hard to start slating the club based on rumours because 99% of the rumours you hear is all just nonsense. I don't care if it's David Ornstein. I don't care if it's Fabrizio Romano. They've been wrong before. They will be wrong again. I think it's yeah, Jamie Vardy who got it wrong. You know, so it happens. And let me tell you something as well. Clubs leak information and they are right. basically, you know, when you're leaking information, you're like, a, you're like a chucking meat to dogs. They are desperate for it. They will take whatever you give them. And sometimes these people that are desperate for the info get manipulated. So sometimes it's it's all it's all coordinated. That's a that's a fantastic point you just said, and that's why for me, especially with this Vlahovic thing, I tried to urge when speaking about it, caution. It's like we can maybe he does want to come, he doesn't want to come. Fiorentina are saying this, Arsenal are saying that. Until he comes out, like you said, with the president or Arsenal, we don't know actually what's going on, and there's an air of silency. Arteta and Edu, they're not going to come out and say, well, that report's right, that one isn't. They're doing whatever they're doing. That's my issue. My biggest issue with the Vlahovic thing is he didn't want to join. It's not that he didn't want to join, but it's like, I didn't buy the whole his agents aren't contactable because his agent probably has other clients. You know, we've heard we've been trying to get him since October, as ambitious as it is and everything we've put on the table. At the end of the day, it wasn't our sort of movie. So cynics might say, are we going for players that we know once again we have no choice? As you said, a great point, you know, we needed a backup plan. In the summer, it looked like Tammy Abraham or Martinez. This this month, it's been someone else every week. Now, we knew striking was, an, was a problem. But midfield, I think there's no excuse. I think the Guimaraes one for me is a bit different because for all the amount of we've scouted him, we tried to buy him previously at two of the clubs he's been at, including Lyon. We don't actually know if there's an offer on the table from Arsenal in relation to Newcastle. Now, of course, if there isn't, that's the problem. Problem, but I don't really feel you can beat the club over the head if they haven't bidded for someone. By all means, get at them for letting a great player go there or meet being delayed, but it's not like you're in a bidding war. And like you said, there's that element of maybe there's something in the back burner. Whether that's acceptable, whether that happens is a different thing. And you made a great point. Like, Are you concerned with the lack of sort of backup options, especially as we're going to Dubai? It would have been great to bring these players in to integrate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I am. I am concerned. But the thing is, when we say lack of backup options, we don't know whether that's the case or not because True. they might they might be working on something right now. It could be imminent. As it and also, you can't release everything publicly. So, Fact. I just hope that they have been. And when people have that criticism, that look, it's all one. It's good chasing Vlaovic and putting money on the table, but you also have to have that contingency plan. That's Fine. a very valid point. But you know, I hope I hope that the club do. And also the point that I make is that I had zero faith in Edu, Mikel, Vinay in the summer transfer window, and they did well. So they have got some, uh, let's say, patience from me and some... Some credit where due for some credit, people. Yeah. Right. So hopefully, hopefully they won't go and undo loads of hard work. I didn't think we'd be in contention for top four. It's as a result of 
they're good signings and Mikel Arteta changing his fortunes around that we're now in that position, albeit right. along with Tottenham and Man United faltering. That, that's a big part of the reason why we're there. But given the fact that we're there, it's also down to their work. So hopefully they don't go and undo all of that. Now, what I wanted to ask you about, actually, DG, was on uh, Guimaraes, right? Mm. I've seen him play quite a few times. Um, I, I I feel like, yeah, he's technically very good, very good passing range. You know, I think he'd slot into the team on the ball very well. But in terms of sort of being um, a really high-energy, high-press sort of player or, or someone in Arteta's mould that wants him to kind of sometimes go and cover... Tierney when he's making a run and having that defensive discipline and everything like that. Is he really that sort of player? I think Arteta, it's important to Arteta that he gets the perfect right. type of player. And I haven't seen Guimaraes enough when he's up against it, because Lyon are one of the better teams in France, for me to think, or know, I should say, that he's definitely Arteta's guy. So maybe we're not going to bid for him. I don't know. That's true. But that's the that's that's where I'm a bit different because it's like I look at someone like Yuri Telemans when I get beyond the hype, like to counter your point about the defensive aspect. I don't think there's a there's a snowball chance in hell that Telemans is better defensively than Gamaras because I look at his metrics, he's quite up there for tackles and covering ground. So for me, it was almost like together with the fact of we've publicly chased this player, there has to be something in the back burner because it always feels like we like a player, we monitor a player, and whether it was our before or someone like now, when it feels like you have a real chance of whether it's exploiting Leon's financial situation or a free hit, we don't get it done. But you made a great point, and that's for me the byproduct of these players that we're being linked with. Whether I agree with someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think he'd be a good player, but I'm not convinced. As long as Arteta, rightly or wrongly, if he ties into what you want to do, because I feel we've seen with Aubameyang and Lacazette, there's little bits and pieces they want to take. He would like to take and make them a complete player, but neither neither really convince him. And I'm kind of tired of when we sign players and then we try and figure it out after. We'll move him elsewhere, try different things and and, and things like that. So I don't understand why we're not on for Bruno Gamares as well, yeah. on top of that, the Brazilian bias. Edu must know him. And I've been a bit disappointed in Edu. I know it's difficult to bring in Brazilian players but you look at Patrizio whatever his name is over at Spurs they're linked with Italian based players or Italian nationals I don't really see the blueprint of what we're doing yeah I mean and, and I have to say I want Guarish I really do I think he'll be a fantastic True. signing you know um, who else will be linked with I can't remember who it was this window Arthur Melo that's it, Arthur. Of course, yeah. Yeah, where'd you stand on that as well, man? Because that looked well, like it was happening. Gamaris is playing week in, week out. Arthur isn't. You know, he's, I think he's had twelve appearances all season. That's a big, big thing for me in the January transfer window. Nice. Maybe we're lucky enough to have that seventeen-day break. But you know, in summer, that's fine. You can do all your preseason fitness and get someone really up to speed. Because you're coming in at the business end of the season, you need right. a plug-and-play solution, right? I'm not sure Arthur would be that, but. I'd rather sign Arthur than no one. I'd rather sign Gumarez than Arthur. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm with you on that, man. I mean, I would love Arthur. You made a great point and it's true. And I feel a lot of people don't don't, don't attribute the fact of their current form, their minutes and stuff. Like if we was to sign Isaac on top of January just being difficult, his team, and maybe it's just the team, but he's not really firing. And you know how Arsenal fans are. All our hopes would be on somebody like yeah. that. You made a great point. And I kind of said that in my earlier stream about Jack Wilshere. Like I know he's been training well. He's going to Dubai. But it's like, when last did he play 90 minutes? Even if he plays, he's not in the best of, fine, uh, of no. physical conditions. 
condition. The Arthur Mello one, again, it looked like it was happening. It seems like it's not. I think it's right up the street of, of Odegaard, another one who ironically, you know, joined in January, probably struggled a bit. So I'm all for that. But I agree with you. You said it there. And to repeat, if anyone didn't, I'd rather Bruno over Mello or, and then Mello over nothing, really, because yeah. I just feel... Again, do you feel that this this could be a decisive period for Arsenal? Because I keep saying it and I genuinely think in May, beyond the obvious, we're going to look back at January and say, this is where we, we, we really kicked on and done something or this is where it kind of all was lost. And I just feel the players, they're the ones playing, they've got to take responsibility. Arteta and Edu were blatantly told, you're in charge of transfers. And I think both of them would have to soldier responsibility for any failings to get Europe. Now, I do think we have a chance. We've hit a bit of a wobble, but it just feels like whenever we have an opportunity to really press, for whatever reason, we buckle at that chance, man. Yeah, I think you're right. It is that crucial period. And I think it will be one that we look back on and say, this is where we won or lost our, our sort of loss, uh, our um, kind of desire and our ability to go and get that top four. So the way I see it, like, I just wish I could like plead with Mikel Arteta and say, guys, you've done such good work so far. Don't let it down, yeah. Beyond all expectation, like, please don't ruin it now because... The fans are with you. Even Thanks. like, for example, big calls with Mikel and Aubameyang. You know, you mentioned that Jack Wilshere has gone to Dubai. As far as I know, Aubameyang hasn't. Aubameyang hasn't. Where do you stand on that as well? Sorry to cut you, Mum. I'm really conflicted. It's, it's like a real slap in the face. But if Arteta does not feel that Aubameyang is doing the basics that he needs from him, then you can't just have him, you know lingering around just for a free holiday sort of thing you know you have to maintain that energy and that sort of um that discipline i think it would just mix the issues on the other hand the and the reason why i say i mix is on the other hand if arteta did invite him sort of invited him into his office and said look you know abamyang i don't want you to feel like you're being sidelined or exiled so you're welcome to come along want to be a positive influence on the squad you know, even right. you're a very good player, even if you're not in the team, you raise the bar. When we're doing our finishing drills and stuff, you will raise the bar. So you still have a part That's to play. A good way training. Have, Facts. Yeah, even if it's not as important a uh, part as you'd want. And that, to me, could have just been the opportunity for an olive branch, you know, and, and mm. to see if it can be reintegrated. Because, you know, we're talking about contingency plans, yeah? The best of planners will not only have a contingency to plan A, they'll have a conting- contingency to the contingency. And, and back up in that line, case, yeah, facts. Somewhere along the line of those contingency plans, reintegrating a Bamiyang should be our last resort because that's better than signing nobody. And yeah? persisting with Lacquer and Eddie, where respectfully, they ain't scored many goals in the league. Smith yeah. Rowe's got more goals than Lacquer. Respectfully, if, if someone who's in, trying to learn to score is scoring more than you, it is what it is. And we're a few injuries away from maybe having a Bamiyang. I think it's personally yeah. cutting off your nose to spite your face, man. Exactly, yeah. And and this Dubai trip could have been that olive branch where Arteta's not sacrificing his principles, but he is just kind of saying, okay, even if he did it from the other angle of, we're not going to leave you here to just mess around. You're coming, mm. you're working, you're going to go and do the flipping media stuff in Dubai, whatever. Like, just... Um, you're going to earn your 300k a week, uh, whatever, exactly. a month somehow. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> exactly. When you're doing that photo shoot with Emirates Airlines, stick a Bamiyang on there. Like, I don't I don't really care what it is. I, it could have been an olive branch, and I find that very regrettable. But this is not to say that I'm on a Bamiyang side. I do trust Arteta that... Because, you know, who the hell wouldn't want a Bamiyang? Against Burnley, I felt like he was exactly what yeah. we needed to come off the bench, you know? I'm sure Arteta's frustrated by it. But, hey, look, that's the manager... 
the, that's um, the sort of decision he'll live and die by. And that's and that's the problem. It's like again, without no, it's difficult to really comment without knowing everything. And that's why I, I asked you because you articulated perfectly in that you know there's reasons for and against Arteta's approach, Aubameyang the same, and that grey area which is the cold-hearted truth. We'll never know it, which is scary. And for me, it's a thing where you look at someone like Tuchel. I know the situation isn't the same, but you know clearly Lukaku's peed him off equally. But he realizes, okay, we're trying to do this Champions League thing. We're doing whatever we're doing. It's a long season. We need to play the game a bit smart. And that's where I feel, without knowing all the variables, you've you've dealt yourself a problem. I guess leaving him here might tempt him to say, you know, for all the rumors of leaving, you need to sort out your future. But you know, again, I don't think I think with every week that we do this, you kind of leave the scope to to kind of like you said with that olive branch and cold heart. For me, at base level, if something happens with our strikers, with Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah, oh, you need someone else. You know, yeah. the next step you're looking at is probably what I would like, Martinelli through the middle. And I know a lot yeah. of people, you've probably heard it on your channels, entertain the idea of maybe Pepe as a false nine. Mm. I don't know that. Maybe that's being done because a striker will arrive by the end of the month. I, I I, really don't know. I would say, like you said, I think it's a, it's a bit harsh and I feel... It's a bit like the Ozil thing where whether we're doing good or bad, it's, 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 it's mentioned. You know, you mentioned, I'm going to ask you on, on Burnley in a sec, but you mentioned the Burnley game. Now, when we was doing the business before the turn of the year, we're scoring goals, rightly so. No one's going to mention Aubameyang because we are doing what we're doing. Naturally, whether his form is there or not, we're going to ask about it like against Burnley. And that's my problem. If you're going to take someone out of the team and alienate them, make it be so that we don't ask the question, what's going on there sort of thing. And that's where I don't understand it. And like you said, the most important point for me is that, you know, we haven't really got a striker or a centre mid in before that Dubai trip. And, you know, this is the best time really to sign people. You've got a bit of a gap for the Wolves game. So maybe they could integrate, maybe even start whoever that was yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really attached to, too attached really to who comes in. I don't care if it's Gunduzi and Aubameyang or if it's um, Gomarej and Isaac. We just need those reinforcements. Right. And at some point, Arteta, come on, man. You, you, you've you shown that you can be the disciplinarian. You've shown that you can burn yeah. the bridges. Now let's see the other side of your game, that more emotionally intelligent side of your game. It's very easy to um, destroy relationships. Anyone, Fact. anyone can do that. That requires Fact. zero intelligence to maintain, strengthen and repair relationships. That's where I feel like you get players running through brick walls for you. This is it. You know? And this is the like acute level of man management that Mikel Arteta lacks. You look at Jurgen Klopp, you know, his players love him. Die for him. Love him. And that's the thing, and that's what and that's what scares me because obviously you can do it with Ozil. Where let's be honest, a lot he had a lot of people who loved him. He had a lot of people that were mm. happy to see the back of him, whether they liked Arteta or not. With Aubameyang, the form makes it a thing. You know, I'm I don't think it will happen. But what if there's problems with you know players that we actually need, like um, just to throw Saka out there? How are we going to react to that? Because you need him week in week out. It's very easy to do it with people whose form's gone and things like that. And that, and that's what scares me. You kind of mentioned it. What do you what do you make of the Burnley? game any anyways because to say it was a mischance was was is an understatement to say it's frustrating is an understatement I've, I've said enough about the game so where where are you at with that man yeah I think really really poor in game management I was very disappointed when you're putting in I think it was 34 crosses and only three of them were successful you've got in behind Burnley on like right. maybe two or three occasions all game clearly you need a change of setup you know and right. I was um very frustrated because you know being at the game I saw 
Sean Dyche on the touchline, very animated. He was calling in left-back uh, Eric Peters relentlessly, calling him in, calling him in, calling him in. Peters was doing the wrong thing, actually. He was leaving a wider gap between himself and the centre-back where it would have given that channel to get him behind. It's one of the most effective um, sort of passes in football between centre-back and wing-back. And that gap, you yeah. You can, you know, thread the needle there. You're instantly in behind and you've made the entire back line turn round and then run towards their own goal. Where the odds are in favour of the attacker then to to you know play the way he's facing, which is the goal, Literally. rather than defenders who are having to clear the ball opposite way or putting it out for a corner. That's what Sean Dyche was insisting on not letting happen, and he did it very well. And that's why you see teams they play that low block so that it's much harder for the weight of the pass to be perfect, less margin very rigid, for error. Yeah. yeah, things have got to be really perfect. And uh, they don't leave that space in. Because often you think, oh, Saka's free on the touchline or Martinez free on the touchline. Play it to them. As soon Not as you that. do that, the shape moves across. They're doubled up on, squeezes out. And that's how, how you end up right. going side to side. So that's how the game played out. And I thought to myself, come on, Mikel, where is your uh, in-game management here? Because of how constrained it was there, Lacazette, a player who likes to get involved in the game, he drifted to the left-hand side, sometimes to the right-hand side. Yeah. And that meant we didn't have a presence in the box. When we picked up the ball, you saw Martinelli beating a man, then Isolated. stopping and beating him again. Because there wasn't that player in the box that was basically saying, this is the pass you need to make right give, now. Give me some service, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes with the Bamiyang, he'll be on the periphery. But just because of his presence in the box... The pass is a given. Like the pass is on, I would say as well. Yeah, it's not on with Lack, is it? Exactly, and and that's the point. So when I'm looking at in-game management, I'm saying 34 crosses, only three successful. It's not working. No space in behind. There's not a, a target in the box that's demanding the pass. When you take off Emil Smith Rowe. I'm so happy you said that because um, this is why I love doing it with you. I didn't have to mention that. I knew at some point you're going to mention that point in the game. Take it home, yeah. oh, my guy. <laughs> when you take off a Mill Smith Rowe, who's got a fantastic shot from outside the box, whose timing of the timing of run into the box is really good as well, and was only was one of only like well, you know, he was the player that off. He was the one that can make it happen. Yeah, on the plate, he got round the outside of the Burnley defence and then managed to spin him round. Assisted the season potentially for us. Yeah, don't take him off. Take Rob Holding off, and then go and stick on six foot plus Mika Beerith. Like I said, what is he five nine, five ten? Mm. Go and stick on Mika Beerith and say to him, make yourself a hero. Just stay in there. He's a very street smart young striker as well. I he think is, he would have yeah. thrived in that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like, well, don't do that. Take off Rob, Rob Holden. We don't need that many defenders back. And, you know, what are you really trying to achieve? Who, who came on for Rob Holden again? Can't I, even remember, man. I can't even remember. But it wasn't an offensive substitution. It wasn't like one that saw, saw the whole shape change. And the onus right. is on you. And you know what it reminded me of the days? This is before our time, DG, right? But you used to get two points for a draw. Wow. <laughs> they made it three points because... You know, they wanted people to go and chase those victories. And it was almost like, you know, I'd understand it if this was 50 years ago and I thought, oh, you know, you're risking a point, like you're risking losing the game and losing a point only to, to try and gain one. one point. Then it's mm. kind of like, you know, it's a 50-50. This is the 50-50, man. Go get those three points. And I didn't see that desire from him. And even, I'll tell you one other thing, literally as the clock ticked over to 90 minutes, Burnley had attacked, the ball went out of play, 
Ramsdale goes to get the ball. When he turns around to like flick it onto the six-yard line to, to you know look at his options or go long, he's gone berserk to the extent that he's literally jumping in the air. Like you won't see this in any camera angle, you won't see this in any highlights. He's gone berserk because the, the players were too close to him in the area. They hadn't given him proper options where they've split. People haven't sprinted to go long. Facts. And this is in the week where we've seen Tottenham go in clinch victory from the jaws of defeat in injury United, time. United steal six points as well this week, yeah. Yeah, uh, at West Ham, go and do it. These are our top four rivals. They've gone and snatched victory when it looks unlikely. And Ramsdale's looking at his players like, what the hell are you doing? What, what's going observe. on? And, and, that's, the, and know, that's the thing. That, that desire, belief, expectation you're going to go and get that goal wasn't there. And that disappointed me. And I thought the manager played into that. So it wasn't a good day for, for Mikel Arteta in terms of his, his response to how the game unfolded. I mean, you said it, you said it all there and it's the unsobering truth. And just to add on what you said, I would say it showed me that once again, we probably need too many, definitely on a day like that, where we we have a direct consequence of not investing properly in the summer and January up until that point has led to, that's who we had to play the bench and whoever's out there. We had to, for me, plan A had to work. We didn't really have subs. You know, I think he should have played the young players like you, but he was probably betting on, you know what, you lot, they're going to sit back. They're going to be a unit. You lot can make goals happen. That was in it. So it showed me naivety. It kind of sealed our fate in, in, the, in, in the summer with people like that. And for me, it just showed that we our players aren't necessarily street smart and the and the manager, there's been times he's been able to adapt it, but it's when that plan, when a spanner is thrown into the works or something you've been working on all week, it showed me that we couldn't really adapt. I saw a manager who was, was reluctant to try things in that game and I saw players who, some of it's due to lack of ability, but they couldn't try things. We're passing it to the same old individuals to make differences and, you know, we're just trying to break down a low block and deep block unit. Yeah. It's genuinely like we knew what Burnley were going to do and it's it's quite crazy. I think we lost a lot with, you know, there was one game Ben White played right back and he gave us a lot, but I think we lost him playing them ball centrally. I think Holden just wasn't quite good enough. I think Tierney and Martinelli, maybe it's because we never had a Xhaka or a Partey, but when our wingers or fullbacks had the ball in wide areas, there's not enough 2 v ones and consequently space. Lacazette, as you said, um, you know, he, he drops a lot. He drops deep, so there's no there's no one in the box. And the one time he's there, respectfully, as much as I like him, he's shown why he's anything but clinical, really. Exactly. And he's been and, doing that well, man. And also in, in the Liverpool game as well. This is it. We let it get over the bar. This one got a chance in the box, hit it wide. It's got to be better than that. I was very worried when... Uh, Aubameyang got uh, exiled because when, when Lacazette came in he's good at facilitating play bringing others into play but if our midfield is a dry spell we haven't got a mercurial type of forward out there this is it. This is and it. Um, this is where we start to miss Aubameyang a lot and as long as we're only like, we've only scored one goal in 2022 this one is goal it. in five games this is, this is it this is atrocious yeah. let's be real then, then the Aubameyang conversation is going to gonna start up just like when Ozil wasn't playing in the team and we weren't creating anything and there was analysis of that big gaping hole in the centre of our right. attacking third or attacking half, that conversation about Ozil was always going to come up. So come on, Mikel, what are you going to do? You've got the luxury of the transfer window. You need to add a forward if you're not going to play Mikel Arteta. And also, I just checked who came on for Smith Rowe and it was Nketiah. Now, and Ketia then is different if you go 4-4-2, for example. He's playing left wing, basically, man. You played left wing. It's different if you say, Nketiah, you stay in that central area. Yeah, box in the box, yeah. Yeah, but given the way that the crosses were coming in, it wasn't like even Arteta said, all crosses have to be low because there is bread and butter for them in the air. That instruction wasn't given. And then Nketiah comes on. He's not playing in the 
in the location where those crosses are coming in. And he plays in the position where Emil Smith Rowe created the best chance of the game. And so you don't understand what's going on. Fact. I don't understand it. Who, who really felt like, yes, Nketiah left wing, that's what we need. And when no. that happened, who thought that's going to make the difference? Tells me but, desperation, man. I would have threw on Tavares. Honestly, I was saying in my watch along, you might as well just throw on Tavares, give him attacking freedom and see what happens. And this is why I, I don't know about you, but when I see things like this, apart from somewhat injuries, I don't really have much sympathy because it's like you can see these things happening in months to come. And it's only like when there's a problem at our doors, there's an issue. You know, on the best of days, you've known you've probably need to upgrade slash replace Granite Xhaka or Bamiyan, move away from Lacazette, half of these things. And I always say, I give the example of we like to stand in the rain and complain we're wet. I, I always say it's like, we, we you know, we don't want to fix a roof while the sun's shining. And now that it's windy and raining, it's like, okay, we probably need to uh, finger it. And I just feel we're in a dangerous scenario in that goals win game, Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli, they're all trying to add that to their games. Now, just a few months ago, weeks ago, they were on fire doing what they're doing and now they're having dry patches. They're still our top goal scorers for all the, as much as I love Lacazette, for all the hype that Arsenal fans have given, you'd think he has, he's had 10 goals. I'm not trying to belittle him or his contribution, but fundamentally, he's got two or three at max and Goals win games, whatever way we look at it. It could come down to goal difference for top four. Now I look at our rivals. Kane looks like he's finding his feet again. They've got Mr. Ronaldo over there at Old Trafford. You know, it's West Ham spread the goals around. We've got players, but we've got a naive squad. And that's something as well. It's like, that's what I was looking at that Burnley game. Respectfully to Burnley, you know, they're street smart individuals. They've been through the leagues. They, they've kind of got basic, but household names. We know what they're about. And we've got a young squad. I saw the naiveties from the time-wasting that they were deploying, from the low blocks. You see, Like you said, with Eric Peters, their keeper should have been sent off. It's almost like, you know, we're crossing the ball into the box. We're just, you know, Ramsdale, he's clearly been told by Arte, he's just punching the ball into channels. They don't mind the first and second balls. That's that's why we're not playing to our strength. So it's, it's just overall naiveties. And for me, it's just screaming desperation, if I'm honest with you, man. Yeah, it, it is very disappointing. And um, I just, I hope that when we look at January, this one was sort of like a game that we definitely should have won, as was Nottingham Forest. Fact. The other three games that we've had have been City and Liverpool, and they've been quite tough. Now I've got a good break. I hope it reinvigorates us. And, you know, provided we get a signing, I think I was a bit uh, rash after the game in kind of being Ooh, down man. in the dumps about our top four chances. The reality <laughs> is, is completely achievable. It, of course, it's still completely achievable. Um, you know, as in, we, we, I'm not saying that I think we're going to do it or that everyone should think we're going to do it. But you can just fight for it. Yeah, we can do it. It is within our control. We've got United to play. We've got Tottenham to play. It's within our control. We just need to make sure that we do the right things now. So it's going to be, as you, went, as you very correctly said before, it's going to be this period that we look back on come May to say, did we do the what did we do the necessary to maximize the chances of us getting top four? And this is it, man. So again, you kind of we kind of alluded to it. You've you've answered the top four question. Where are you at with you know Abamian? Not Abamian, sorry, Mr. Mikel Arteta obviously was cited with Kronke. What do you make of their relationship? What do you think that conversation was about? Because we've heard contract talk. What do you make of Arteta's contract talks as well, man? I don't think I've asked you that. Yeah, I think with the contract talks, uh, I think that's ridiculous, quite frankly. True. Um, you know, two eighth-place finishes and now uh, a very uncertain end to the season. He has been good this year. Not great. I think he's been good. Now, I don't see what he's really achieved, what he's really done to deserve that two-year contract when we could... 
assess him properly at the end of the season and answer that question with certainty. Mm. Because let me tell you, just let me say one thing, you know, managers in the first half of the season, let's say the first 28 games of the season, can become very, very different managers to how they are and end up in the last 10 games. Literally. Because Literally. it's completely different. It's completely different pressure. And this is where I thought Arsene Wenger was very good. He generally was very consistent in the way that he was. Famously, we saw Kevin Keegan, who, mm. when that change is perceived mm, yeah. in a squad, it induces panic, it induces nervousness. And it's about the managers that can kind of keep calm waters and, and that sort of thing. Right. We don't know whether Arteta can do that because the last two full seasons he's had, we finished eighth. There was nothing riding on those last 10 games. This season, we might see someone who's consummately at ease with pressure or we might see someone unravel. You see, you see, you see that's, where I, that's where I'm at because I do think there's intense pressure on his job. But then I look at it, we're told, you know, obviously you can have a good relationship with your manager. Your manager might still clip you, but he has a very good relationship with the Cronkies. Now, I look at that. If we had a more demanding manager or more household name, he might not accept anything. But if I'm honest with you, it's a relationship of mutual interest. There's not too much pressure from the board on Mikel. Well, Mikel, let's be honest, he's, he's in a role where there's not too much pressure and he gets to develop. Personally, I think that's why he's not really... He can do things like more, more so Ozil and that. But today, do what he's doing with Aubameyang, with what we've spoken about. Because if you was Chelsea with Lukaku, Tuchel might want to not play him ever again. But he needs to realise I might have to utilise him. If he could do things like that, that tells me maybe there's not necessarily a target per se for the season. And I know many people would say, well, not too many people had us in in top four, let alone top six, and they're true. But things change throughout a season when you find yourselves in positions. I know it's not the best of examples, but when Leicester won the league, I'm sure in August they didn't sit there and say we're going for the league. Something fell in their lap. They ran with it and look where they're at. It's like, I do feel there's really no balance with Mikel Arteta, with Arsenal, with just speaking about us. You either overcompensate and find a lot of excuses or you scapegoat. And you that's what I'm going to see with, with, with Arteta because you're going to need to play the game. You're going to need to reintegrate Pepe. You need to do something with Aubameyang if you're not going to play him. Um, I'm keen to see what midfield is because I don't feel we've got the strongest of foundations and as much as me and you have banged on about midfielders, probably by the time we play Wolves, bro, everyone's back. You know, Partey, Jacarel, Nene, yeah. they'll be back. We love a like a new season stuff. So I'm not too sure, man, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be a really, really interesting end to the season and to see what happens. But, you know, right now, what Arteta is trying to do, what I've seen in January with this Lacazette vacating his role and almost the false nine attempt. You don't have the personnel to do that. Facts. Yeah. And, time, and it yeah. becomes, like, I think you, with this whole, um, with, with the way we're trying to play right now with that false nine, you have to, I think, have unbelievably good, intelligent players who know when to move. And you need to be very, very good at that system. I think it's a, a longer thing to implement. I don't think it's the right time necessarily to do that with the personnel that we've got right now because you're at the business end of the season. And we haven't been playing like that all season. This is, for me, in response to what's happened with Aubameyang. Lacanet needs stricter instruction in terms of, you know, the plan B. And we need to be quicker at switching to the plan B. False nine not working against Burnley, go to the traditional setup. Abame, uh, Lacazette, stay central. Thanks. And I think Mikel Arteta, you know, I'm not saying don't be true to your principles or don't be true to the strategy that you want to go and get long term. 
bit more prag pragmatism, yeah, and, and a bit more adaptable in terms of let's go and secure the three points. Top four is so so important to us right. this year. You made a good you made a good point about fluidity and adaptability and things. And I'm going to credit the manager. Obviously, I do think there's a lot of things he's improved. I think there's more stability in his defence. I think there's more of a, less handbrakes going forward. We're still very left hand centric. We're still quite predictable to read. We still can't really break down low blocks. But I always find myself being a bit of a devil's advocate and thinking to myself at the back of my head, anything that I've seen with Arteta now since we've turned a corner or something. Is are these actual plans or are we quote unquote stumbling on it? Because to be fair, he wanted to he kept playing a Bamian. You know, I think that was a sign of good man 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 management. You know, he could have been dropped for the Spurs game. He played quite well against Spurs and the young players who people were saying to drop were there. And then I feel there was a bit of Lacazette. Lacazette was one that he was becoming one that you couldn't keep out the side. I think he he came on and did well against Crystal Palace. And then to go with a Bamian, just he wanted to keep him in and Lacazette. I think we found the four four two. Now, as you've seen and said with a Bamian misbehaving, quote-unquote, you know, we've taken him out and we're doing this lack of things. So do you think any of these things are coordinated and he's actively going for some these things, which is scary, or are these, he's, we're kind of, quote-unquote, stumbling across these things? Yeah, I, I, it's hard for it to be coordinated when, like, there's discipline issues, isn't there? You know, this is obviously something that just happens and you have to react to. But now what I see as a coordinated thing is that this false nine attempt. And and this is where I'm saying, like, look, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the belief that we're going to be able to execute this very difficult footballing strategy in such a short timeline at the business end of the season. Right. You know, um, unfortunately, Burnley have just displayed the model on how to combat that. Anyone looking at Arsenal now saying, all right, this is... Uh, the Arsenal squad is very easy to predict because of our lack of numbers. So... People are going to say, that's what we're going to be up against. And I know some will come back after AFCON, but I don't expect Pepe to all of a sudden come in the team and Arteta to mix it up. I think it's quite yeah. easy to predict. And then I think it's a case of, yeah, we know what we need to do to stay in the game. So this, this is it. I need, I, this is where Arteta needs to earn his money and, and prove his ability. And why not use this period to inform the decision of giving him a new contract? It seems very strange. To, to give him a new contract now. But, Facts. you know, also, if you look at the wider context of the club, it's a lot of inexperienced people. Vinay's not experienced me, in man. position. Uh, Edu's not experienced in his. Mikel's not experienced in his. Across the pitch, they're not experienced in their positions. And it also seems to me like... Facts. I don't... I'm not against all of it, but it seems like this season at Arsenal, a lot of inexperienced people have been... Potentially, the argument could be they're given more than what they should have got at the stage that they're at. Facts, Row, I'm a huge, huge fan of him. I love the guy. I think he's a fantastic footballer. He was given the number 10 shirt. I don't mind that because, you know, he's a hair lender. We're giving him that sort of seal of approval. We're giving him that confidence. But if someone says to me, you know, is there an argument that he should have had to have done more to get that number 10 shirt? I'd say, yeah, I see that. 100%. I see that point. Yeah. Um, Vinay getting that job. Edu getting that job. Mikel getting that job. All of them, they've got quite a lot quite soon. Should they have potentially needed to have done more? Prove their... the more duties boost as well, year in, yeah. year out, if I'm honest. Prove themselves more? I think, yes. Mikel Arteta going from head coach to manager. What did he really do? He got that after about nine months of his getting tenure. Getting the Arsenal job in the first place as well, if we're honest. Yeah, but, but that's what I mean. So not only getting it in the first place, but then also getting the promotion. 
have you really done enough? So people seem to be getting, like Josh Cronkey is the best example of it. What the hell have you done? Do you know what I mean? You're you lucky you're born into a rich family, really. And that's exactly. your dad. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> thinking, is there, is there really a true meritocracy? Are we really no. making these um, sort of like uh, gifts? Are we making people really earn them? Or are inexperienced people creating a very easy life for one another here in terms of how easy it is to get that next rung up? And this is my point about Mikel Arteta's contract, because it seems like in keeping with that, where I want Arsenal to be a little bit more sort of, you know, you've really got to excel consistently. A healthy sense of pressure. Yeah. You said it there, and and, and that's, that's what I think as well. And that was my point earlier in that I think it's of mutual interest. I do think Arteta presses the issue of needing players and things, but it's almost like a little kid. Like when you're a little kid, you're asking your mum for something, your mum says no, and then it is what it is. I think the more experienced managers will put pressure. So I think the board and Arteta, it's of mutual interest. If he was, if there was a more serious board, it's not that they would sack Arteta, but they the things that you're doing good at, they would demand that you improve that even more. And the things that you're concerned, you'd find you'd obviously find a solution to something. I don't think they've got that and this is where I think it's a mixed bag because I do like mainly what Arteta is doing trying to get everybody on song I don't really like how he goes over the top in some cases but he's trying to get the fans on side you always hear what he's doing at London Coley we all the players I know they're not going to say anything wrong but they always talk about you're a good tactician so I do like that but then if I'm this is where I think there's no balance because as much as I admire Arteta for that it does feel at Arsenal that our standards are on the floor. You shouldn't necessarily be praised for doing the basics and especially mm. righting your own wrongs, which Arteta has done in, in, in a sense. And that's really what scares me. And what scares me more to come back to, to kind of not come back to agree with your point. Sometimes you might see an inexperienced manager, an experienced technical director or vice versa. Very rarely do you see both. So again, I don't know how good Edu's contact book is or how he's rated in the game or how, you know, his relationships with other agents and whatnot. Like sometimes... Offers are just that someone might text an aid, someone might text a manager and say this player is available. I don't know if he's got any of that because everything I read coming out of his homeland, they weren't really too impressive with what he's done at Corinthians and in the Brazil lineup. And again, it's not that as much as I want Brazilian exciting players, I haven't really seen you do anything. I know it's difficult work permits, but you can't even claim Martinelli because it wasn't you really. So it's yeah. like I don't know what you're doing. And what scares me is there's elements of Arteta's job that we don't know, but there's many things he doesn't know he doesn't know. The same goes for Edu. So where is that experience? And when you do see experienced players and people brought in, it's not like they're in real positions of influence. I know you've got Richard Garlick and things like that, but he's just really a contract man or whatever. He's not, mm. he can't veto things. Like even if we look at the midfield this season, a more experienced technical director might sit there and say, Arteta, I know you might love Xhaka and Partey, but we need to do this or this is going to happen. You need a striker or might be able to even help him out with these other targets. A more experienced manager, the same. That's what kind of scares me. And it's almost like, I look at things where we're almost not helping ourselves. When you look at Lokonga's case, for example, bro, in the sense of every time they speak about Lokonga, both of them, they say things like he's playing more than we thought, he's doing this. Now, OK, if you have an asset and you want him to develop and you think he's playing more, why have you not got someone else that can either, whether it's another young player, they can divide their minutes or a more experienced player to hold Lokonga's hand? Because Lokonga can't hold his own hand. How can you expect him to hold young Charlie Patternell's hand? So we're yeah, setting yeah. our young players up to fail, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But, you know... Ultimately, I, I don't want it to be a complete bashing of them and, and going on True. about their inexperience because, as I said, in summer, they did do well. The, the people that they've recruited, generally, I'm happy with the vast majority of them. Facts. So, I mean, if we go through them, Ramsdale, 
White, Tomiyasu, there's Lakonga, Tavares, and there's one more, isn't it? Was it five? Is there one more? I thought there were six. Lakonga, Tavares, Ramsdale, Ben White. No, nah, it might be that, you know. We might it might be five, six. Well, they can't be that good if we can't oh, remember them, to be fair. Oh, shit, yeah, I, I take that back, Odegaard. But yeah. to be fair, he was, he was part of the furniture already, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is why I didn't feel like it was brand new. And now, out of all of them, I'd say, you know, I haven't written any of them off. And right. some of them, I kind of feel like you're flipping brilliant. You know, Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, great. Odegaard, Ben White, yeah. Right. Definitely valuable members of the first team. So, look, they have done well. And that's why I am i don't want to get on their case. I really, really want to be optimistic that they the will continue bag, really. to do that. You spoke about uh, wronging, uh, like writing your own wrongs. They're, they're kind of like six, seven days away from wronging their own rights. In a <laughs> yeah, way. yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah. I, and that's what I'm desperate for them not to do. But that's the thing what scares me. It's like, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say I know more about football than, than, than neither of you. We're just honest football fans. But it's almost like... If me as a fan have had these concerns about midfield and we could see this coming with the injuries, we used to, we said we're in something away from partying this going down, you know, if we can see it, surely you lot can see it. Now, if you can see it and there's variables like, for instance, you're trying, but, you know, Stans isn't giving you money, fair play. But it's like, what scares me? Can you lot not see this or are you choosing not to see it? It's like, I look at our midfield. They said Xhaka and Partey was going to be the majority game partnership. Respectfully, you know, can we really say that something? Even when we was doing all right, we was always saying they could have done yeah. better. So it's almost like you don't know what you know you're doing. Do you? Are you confident on signings at all between yeah. now and the end of, the, seat, end of the, the, the window? I am, yeah. And, and the reason is that I'm no sort of like expert when it comes to the psychological side of things. But from what Mikel Arteta has been saying in press conferences, I feel as though... I would be surprised if he was that upfront only to then sign nobody. He he specifically explicitly says we are working and you know uh, you know says that we're trying to get something done. And if you say that and then don't do anything, you're Egg basically saying me Edu and I were failed. And I don't think you'd set yourself up for that. And I don't think you'd set yourself uh, set your colleagues up for that. I don't think that'd be very appreciated. They obviously talk about how they're gonna field these questions. Now, you go back to Arsene Wenger. He used to be very, very clever. And he used to say, we will do something if there's top, top quality. You know, which which is very subjective. Saying a lot, but saying nothing, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're saying a lot, but saying nothing, yeah. So it, it was um, that protection that he gave himself and everyone around him. Arteta hasn't done that. Now, I don't think that we're infinitely smarter than Mikel Arteta, where we can say, oh, He's being naive. You know, if we can see that that's naive, he can see that that's naive. So I don't think that we're smarter than him and he can't see what we can. I think he's saying that because he expects to get something done. And I think we will get something done. Because also, we know now, we were in for Vlaovic. We know we've got money, given that we were willing and offering to structure that deal. However it was, whether it was installments, whatever it was, we can do that elsewhere. So I think we haven't given ourselves a lot of wiggle room in the Vlaovic bid knowledge and in what Arteta has been saying. So, yes, we'll get something done. I'm I'm hopeful, again, you know, whether it's someone on loan that's half injured is another thing. I'm hopeful because based on what you're saying and what I'm saying is that you lot know, you you must know you need players. I don't have any sympathy. Like, my my patience for signings was here because 
again, we I've been very vocal on midfield. I do think they're not silly enough. They will bring people in. Whether they're the quality is another thing. The one thing I don't have sympathy for, and I just I find it quite jarring about Mikel Arteta when he talks about how complicated the market is and things. Now I know a bit of it is PR and stuff, but to me as a fan. It's the same language I heard a year from now, a year ago, sorry, with you. And it's almost like, okay, you're right. You're not wrong. But it's like, you knew the job. It's like, you can't, you know, this ain't City. You knew certain things. So it's like, I have, you know, you need to adapt really. There's no point. And to be in this situation after your first full season, I think it's, it's it, we're being, we're being ignorant in terms of ignorance is bliss. And we're being, we're just, we're just choosing to, to, to make mistakes. And even back to loaning players out, you look at a couple of our rivals, you know, United are bloated. They've only just now let Martial go. They're not trying to let um, Lingard and uh, Van der Beek go without a, a fight. City have a bag of them. Um, Liverpool have like Nico Williams, Origi, guys that want to leave. They're saying no. So it's almost like surely there is, there is something planned for us really. And that's that's what scares me. I do have a couple of questions from our fans for you, man, just to just to wrap this up and things. So I think let me let me get them up. First question is from Maverick. He said it's a twofold question for you. Have we improved or have the usual top four suspects been poor this season, allowing us in a top four race? And he said now we are in a race for the top four. Did Arsenal actually prepare for a top four race this season? Good question, Maverick, man. What yeah, man, good question. Back? The first one in terms of have we actually improved? Yeah, we have improved, but I don't think we've improved that much to get from eighth to fourth. Yeah. You know? I think it's a case of like we've improved, I'd say, from about eighth to probably about fifth or sixth. Mm. And by virtue of Man United with the squad that they've got. And I mean, it's yeah. mad. Varane, Ronaldo, um, Sancho all signed. No one expected them to be as awful as they are. Let's not get it twisted here. United should be challenging for the title. Simple as. With mm. their squad, they should be challenging for the title. I kind of jokingly tweeted Anthony Martial saying, um, I'm really happy that you managed to get out, like his escape prison or something, because that's the vibe at United right now. People yeah, want to yeah. go. Everyone's People. got some some sort of stain against their name sort of thing. or some yeah, sort of People want to go to Crystal Palace. You know, <laughs> it's just... You would never have thought that when, when he signed. United is a toxic place right now. Don't get me wrong. And that Very is what we're seeing here. You know, so I think it is a bit of both. But I don't think Arsenal expected. So I don't think we prepared to be in that top four race because we didn't expect to be there. I don't think we could foresee just how bad it's been. And um, clearly when Eddie did his interview earlier on in the season, he gave no benchmark. He didn't mm. say top 10, top 8, top 6, top 4. Very smart. Yeah, I think that's because he obviously knows that he can't say top eight because that's completely unambitious. Because we got but receipts. Then... Pardon? Because he knows we'll come with receipts. That's yeah, what I exactly. think he said that stuff, man. Yeah, and then if he says top four, then as you say, we're going to hold him to that. Top six is nothing either. So I don't think he had any confidence that we'll be in the running. He didn't even say, well, you know, we want to compete for top four. He it. said nothing along those lines. So I don't think Arsenal were ready or prepared. To answer that, to cut my my question to that, then you know, if if taking at face value, if he didn't specifically say what we're trying to do, then what do we judge Arteta on? Exactly, and that's what I that's what annoyed this me. Is that I can't answer that. You don't have the luxury, an institution of the magnitude of Arsenal Football Club, to have zero pressure. You this cannot do that at any organization. You have to say, right, this is our target. But the reality is, they would have done that internally. They just don't right. do that externally. And football's different. I, I don't think you should have that. You should have that sort of um, 
You know, it should have been a case of we want to see an improvement on last year, even if it was that one liner. Yes, it would have frustrated people because right. that could have meant seventh, but you could have said European qualification is a must. Or hold yourself to something. Facts, facts. That's a good way. And I think that's where even Edu for me. Arteta and Edu, their, their PR or, or how they talk to the public is improving. I've seen an improvement, but that's where maybe you need to be quite coordinated. The next question is from, I think, Zeddy. Why is my mouse not working? Oh, here we go. Zeddy has said, bearing in mind that United are likely to get a new top gaffer in, Newcastle have money and Spurs have proven have a proven top manager. What do you feel is the likelihood of Arsenal staying competitive in the coming seasons? Do you think sustainable top four finishes and deep runs into the Champions League are possible, knowing how inconsistent our squad is? Um, listen, man, there's so many variables there. Trust me. Because <laughs> you're saying Tottenham have got a, a top manager. His contract expires at the end of the season. Football's a crazy old world. And he's showing and, impatience. Um, you know, it could be Conte at United. No, please not. Please not. <laughs> you know, Harry Kane could be going with him. Harry Kane and uh, Young Min Son, they, they must be fed up by now. They obviously want out. They've tried in the past, especially Kane. They um, obviously want out. Tottenham could be a very different kettle of fish um, next season. But what could salvage everything for them is a top four finish. That's mm. why Arsenal need to make sure that it's not them, it's us. It won't right. be as damaging if it's United, but it will be hugely damaging to Arsenal if we're outside of those top four. If we want to really compete, and have those long runs into Champions League and sustain and like uh, compete for top four on a sustainable basis, we need Champions League this season. Because we've seen the impact in terms of Laovic, for example, not wanting to come to us. We've seen the right. impact. And it's only going to get harder to attract that talent um, if it carries on like this. To answer, kind of add a mini question onto that. Obviously, Arsenal's always Arsenal and all of that sort of stuff. And I do think we can attract players and whatnot. But do you feel, because maybe Arteta wasn't necessarily known as a player in Zidane's case, who went on to do great things, do you feel maybe, you know, players are getting, you know, players are getting younger? Do you think we're losing not a touch of class or attractability, but do you think it's we're unable to really attract players or we're starting to struggle with that potential Arsenal magic might be wearing off? Yeah, I think it's definitely diminished. There's still a, an enormous amount of magic with Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. There Fact. really, really is. We've signed some top, top players when we haven't been in the Champions League, right? Um, and uh, and coveted players as well. But the point is, you know, it, I think we have to be realistic. The best players want to play Champions League football. And anytime you're not in the Champions League, it might make your Fact. attractiveness go from like, Arsenal might be a 9 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10. So, yeah, we're still, let's say, come on, by far more attractive than vast majority of clubs, Facts. but not as attractive as we have been in the past. Facts, man. And that's a, that's a great way of answering it. Matt has said, if we did get Isaac, do you think our attacking lineup will be too young, all 21 and under? Great question, really. Yeah, look, I if think yes, to be fair. And, and no. On one hand, I feel like saying if you're good enough, you're old enough. But, but you know, this is where I talk about the business end of the season. Where you need a squad. And also you need to be able to deal with unbelievable pressure. It's not a case of, you know, right. you go out on the pitch in the first eight games of the season. It, it's very, it shouldn't be different because it's three points, you know, first 10 or last 10. But it's very, very different when you know 
you're looking over your shoulder. Oh man, like they won yesterday. We have to win today. There's all that pressure. There's all that expectation. And it builds into a crescendo. You live it for nine months. It it gathers, it gathers, it becomes bigger. It's not the way at you. Yeah, it really does. It's not that each game is its own game. It gathers it to a critical mass at a point where some players just fold. Some man crumble, yeah. Yeah, and you need to build up that robustness as uh, as an experienced professional. And when you are all quite young, it can be quite tough. There are special characters out there that I feel like can deal with that. When I look at Martin Erdegaard, for example, I feel like maybe because he's been in such huge environments already, he seems very consistent in terms of his the way he approaches things and, and that's sort of thing. because he's been doing that since 16 you're 100 you're 100 correct and, and, I, and i really feel like you can see that in him but i i think it's a valid point it is a risk and then you couple that not only with what i'm talking about but being a big money signing as well that triples it doubles triples that joining mid season two and with all fans potentially unrealistic expectations on Isaac, who is still developing. And that's yeah. where I think it's a squad game because I'm all for getting at Isaac, especially because there's no Vlahovic, playing Martinelli up front. But I've always said sometimes there's going to be games where, like, you know, you're just going to need Lacazette, you know, a quote-unquote, a grown man physically just where he's at. You're going to need that pressure. So I think it's a squad game. So I do think you'd need something else. I, I just feel... I like how, you know, during the destruction of Arsenal, we've seen players thrive. But for me, I would just like to get to a place where our young players, not just necessarily the Halem ones, people can just thrive in healthy circumstances. Like they can look to the left and right and believe in their senior individuals and senior teammates. But I don't know if that's the case. King has said, who do we blame for lack of investments in January? Is it Edu or Arteta targeting the wrong players or is it lack of funds from the owner? Well, no, I don't think it could be lack of funds because we've just been in for Vlavic and we know that uh, factually. So I think it's, uh, it's got to be on Edu and Arteta at the moment. But as I say, we don't, we don't need to blame anyone yet. I feel like they'll get it done. And you said it there, man. It's like I'll, I've always said until the end of the window, I'll shut my mouth because there's a lot of noise. Fundamentally, the facts are you'd have to bring someone in or not. And I can judge accordingly. By all means, we can have frustration. We can judge the rate of what we brought in players. We can judge why other players are going to other teams and we're not. But yeah, most took it away. Um, another question. Saka looks like he's burning out. Why don't we give Pepe a chance? He's got two goals and one assist in AFCON and he will be playing later today. Yeah, look, the Pepe one's a very interesting one. And in terms of Saka burning out, we saw Burnley. It was literally just Saka Martinelli, Saka Martinelli, Saka Martinelli. And, you know, we we seem to be burdening them with the responsibility. They can't have bad games. They can't have yeah. bad games. We have, they have bad games. We don't get three points. Like, And that's yeah. so unhealthy for a developing team. And yeah, that's exactly. where... Exactly. And that's where, for me, when I start, like you said earlier, we had a good we had a good window last year and things. When I look beneath the hood and I still think as good as it was, there's not the players for the present. You know, a bit like you mentioned with United, not, not too many players want to be there. When you go through our experienced players, there's something, whether it's something on the field, something off the field or just, just whatever. There's, there's, there's something, you know, Partey, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Xhaka, there's they're just something. And that's going to halt your progress. These are the players that are here for the present. You kind of said it, how Champions League can set you up. How they impact us now helps us set up for the future to where you might be able to get these Isaacs and these higher class young players to tie in with us. And that's what upsets me is because it, we can't afford to mess about with our experienced players. And it seems like they're giving us crazy problems, like, really, yeah. or how we're using them. 
which is crazy. But I would bring in Pepe. You're going to have, like you said, it's business then. You're going to have to use the whole squad, really. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Pepe needs to come in. Uh, us, uh, Mikel Arteta has exiled enough players to not also not play the players who he's not on bad terms with. Literally. We ain't going to have enough players left if we carry yeah, on like this, bro. Exactly. <laughs> Look, Pepe, he plays tonight, Ivory Coast versus Egypt in the African Nations Cup. And... Um, I want him to have a fantastic game. He he's done all right so far. Couple of goals, couple of assists, I think. Jinko so well. yeah. he needs to um, he needs to get some confidence back in his game and come to Arsenal enjoying his football again. I was really hoping that's what would happen with the Bamiyang as well. That he'd go and enjoy right. his football. See the way that's turned out has been a bit unfortunate. But um, Pepe absolutely needs to come back in and take some of the pressure off Saka because it's not fair on him. It's not good for him, as you said, DJ, in, in terms of his development. Do you think Saka's potentially suffering, going to suffer from burnout? We say it all the time, you know, because we are over-relying on this young man. He may well. Uh, I, I don't think that's unrealistic. But you see, the problem is, he may suffer from burnout, but Arsenal fans won't detect that burnout. We'll detect a drop in form. And then... It's happening now, yeah. Yeah, and then to, to compound the difficulty of Saka dealing with burnout, he'll also have that compounded problem of Arsenal fans getting on his back because, oh, he hasn't got enough end product and this He's and that and the other. Facts. So that's a really dangerous situation. You said it there, man. And that's and that's what goes back to what we said earlier about, for me, we I like that we rely on our young players. I like that they're stepping up, but it's unrealistic to expect them to score. Like Smith, Rowe and Saka, I expect them to get close to 10 goals, 10 assists this season because they're doing all right. But that will be the first year they've done it. And they're still, not, still trying to add that to their game. So really, if you look at it, we haven't really got anyone in the squad who has a chance of playing, excluding the Bamian, who I could say is a goal scorer. Next couple of questions, you know, you've got asked, well, you've already asked, can, can Arsenal get top four? Yoni has said, how much longer before Newcastle catch up to and potentially surpass us? Uh, boy, that is a really horrible question. To even I want them to, to get relegated now, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really hope they get relegated. I'm desperate for them to get relegated because... because yeah, it might be a delay by a year, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they... They're not. They're not just here to take part, are they? They're here to try and take over, and it's a matter yeah. of time. And that's I'd what's say, me. But if you really want a timeline, I'd say realistically, I'd say within five years. I'd say four or five years. So Arsenal need to get their act together, man. Act together. Last question. Amir has said, "How much investment is needed to get back into the Champions League and win it?" And he said, "We can only dream." You need world-class players, isn't it? You got to. Yeah. I, you know. Boy. I think, I think um, you know, with all due respect, that question is being asked about <laughs> four or five years early. We we have got a long way to go before we're thinking about winning the Champions League. First, let's become a, a Champions League team. Let's, then let's become a knockout Champions League team where we're consistently in the knockout stages. Max. You know, the levels, the difference in quality levels, when you get to the latter part of that Champions League, sometimes I watch, those, I watch those games sometimes where even it might be Liverpool and Man City in those, and you see them in the league week in, week out, but they raise their game because they have to, because right. you're playing PSG, you're playing Bayern Munich, and you look at those, it's just it's just like perfection all the time. Every pass is just like perfect, but the reason why you don't break the other team down is because the defending is also perfect. It's just Literally, like... It's a game of chess. Yeah, borderline perfection meets borderline perfection, and we are so far, far away from that. 
This is it. And you said it. I mean, we don't know what we're respectfully Arsenal. We don't know what we're gonna do two games on the spin. So we don't know what we could do for however many games from the group stages to the final. As Mo said, and fundamentally for me, until we can say we're a top four team in the same way if we said who's gonna probably qualify for Europe this year and next. Liverpool and City probably are shooting. You'd probably throw Chelsea in there unless something crazy happens. Arsenal, Spurs, it's, it's subjective, really. So that's that, man. And obviously, what? Last question to kind of... Uh, it's kind of the same question, but I don't want to leave him ha hanging. Does Mikel Arteta deserve a two-year contract? We kind of answered it. We don't know. See, and that's a, I think that's a really fair answer. I'm not right. going to say no. I'm not going to say yes, because the season has been completed. We will know when the season's completed. So... The sensible thing to do is wait till you know. And that's what the club hierarchy should be doing. And Mo said it there. I just feel with Arsenal fans and Arsenal in general, we're too desperate, I feel, to find a conclusion that Arteta is or isn't the guy. It's OK to not be sure. I feel there's plenty of reasons for them to give him the deal in long-termism and all of those sort of things. As Mo has said, there's plenty of reasons not to. And there's a lot of, I feel, Arteta gets... He doesn't get enough praise for things he should get praised for. And I feel we go OTT for things that he shouldn't get praised for. So end of the season, you know, if we can keep seeing these building blocks with the young players and the system and all of that sort of stuff, if we can finish in the European place or somewhere respectable, then this obviously helps. And to be, to be fair with you, you know, if you ask that question from maybe August to maybe September, the answer would unanimously be no. If you ask that up until, until the turn of the year, there'd probably more people would have said yes. So narratives change throughout the season. We can only deal with the facts and we can only really see progression and facts in May, really. So that's how I would answer that, really. In fact, sorry, Mo, there's one last question. If you could, who would you sign as a striker now that Vlahovic is out the question? Isaac for potential... I think he has got incredible potential. He hasn't had the best seasons, you know, he hasn't been clinical, he hasn't converted um, you know, his minutes into loads of goals, um, which is which is a criticism. But then I think like Calvert Lewin in terms of very athletic, um, gives us something very different to what we've currently got in the team and also Premier League experience. Um, but I think on balance I'll say Isaac. Yeah, I would, I would say, I would say the same thing. I would like us to have a look at Kareem Adeniemi. It looks like he's going Dortmund. I do like Darwin Nunes at Benfica, but I mean, you've seen no reports, so maybe the club have looked at him. He's just not that guy, really and truly. I mean, whether we can get, you know, whether it's these guys or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or any of them in January is notoriously tough. So we'll have to see, you know, this time next week if we're able to do stuff and how Arsenal's looking from now to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I was really focusing on the on the main rumours rather than going to the wider market, but yeah. If we even if we do look at the wider market, I'd, I'd happily sort of bide our time and get a stopgap in this case in terms of like a Luka Jovic loan. I'd, I'd, I'd happily do that I'd as well. That. We need someone there. We just need someone there. But, you know, the move that you make on your striker and you pay the big money, that has got to be perfect. That'd be so, right, man. Yeah. And Arteta's got to believe in that player so that he actually does get played and we, we have the system around him that suits him. So... Even if we do something short term, fine. Just do something. You said it there. And again, you know, I think when we spelled, um, shelled out big money with Lacazette for 52 million, we've been kind of down the negative road. The same goes for Pepe. So we kind of, every signing carries a risk, but we need to get it right. So what, would you rather a centre mid or a striker? You could only bring in one in Jan. I had to, man. They're very, they're both of equal importance. And it comes down to personal preference because the last two games, mainly of the Burnley game, I'm more open to saying a striker, but I same. still probably lean towards midfield. So I don't know. I I historically had said midfielder, but now I have to admit because it looks like Aubameyang is just he's done, 
and Lacazette is misfiring and we've scored one goal in five games in 2022. Yeah. And and when Lacazette has had the chances, he's just not clinical. Just we not just know that about yeah. him now. And now I would say a striker. Yeah, man, that's that's me. I mean, a, a, a serious club brings in both, like the summer where we yeah. was debating party or a number eight, but we'll have to see. What content have you got to come today, this week, whenever, Mo? Do you know what? I haven't actually got any plans right now. Oh, until... no, five, no five, five this week. Well, well no, that's done. That, that all got released um, the day after the, the Burnley game, but now we've got a break until the 17th. I think what I will do is on transfer deadline day, probably do a stream and um, see who I can bring on to, you know, analyse what we, we have or haven't done and get some predictions in for what we think Arsenal are going to do for the rest of the season based on the activity we that we haven't haven't done. So look out for that if I can arrange that. Other than that, I'm just enjoying my break away from football for a while because 2022 hasn't been kind. We're going to be deep into mid-February by the time we even get the chance to say we've won a game in the new year. Oh man, this is a good stream. But now on that on that note, I'm thinking I've started to really deep the severity of our situation. But yeah, people, by the time this is on YouTube, again, Mo's YouTube channel will be in the description. Make sure you're going and following him. I'll drop a link into the comments for the Twitch gang in a second. Um, I'm going to be doing a watch along for the African Cup of Nations game between Ivory Coast and Algeria. And like, he, like Mo said, you know, go and check out his old content or just catch him when he brings out a new vid. Like he said, you know, Keep an eye on his channel on on deadline day. There might be something. But Mo, it's been a pleasure in this hour or so with you. We've spoken about everything in relation to Arsenal. Appreciative to everyone who's asked questions, offered their time to listen and supporting both of us, man. But Mo, I'm going to let you go, man. I'm going to let everyone get out of here. You lot, take care. Stay blessed. We're out, man. Is what it is. Peace. <laughs> Like...